Seeking mental health care can be overwhelming and even scary, but it doesn't have to be. I'm Dr. Josephine McNary, and I'm committed to making this process easier for you. Each week, my expert guest and I unravel a different form of therapeutic intervention in order to bring comfort and understanding and to help you get back to your true self. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Mind Stories. Today, I have the honor to speak with psychologist, Dr. Adam Dorsey. Dr. Dorsey is a licensed psychologist and a certified executive coach working in private practice in San Jose, California. He specializes in assisting high-achieving adults, including professionals, executives, entrepreneurs, and professional athletes with relationship issues, stress reduction, anxiety, and attaining more happiness in their lives. In 2016, he gave a well-watched TEDx talk about men and emotions. He is also the co-creator and facilitator of resiliency programs for security and trust departments at companies including Facebook and DigitalOcean. He is frequently contacted by the media and various podcasts to provide commentary, as well as corporations, academic institutions, and healthcare facilities to provide in-depth presentations on matters relating to psychology and psychotherapy. Today, we talk about the important work he does with men in psychotherapy. Welcome, Adam. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Mind Stories. Today, I'm pleased to have on as our guest, Dr. Adam Dorsey. Welcome. I'm so glad to be with you, Josephine. I appreciate you being on. I know you have your own podcast yourself, and we can talk about that podcast. But I'm also interested in the work that you do specifically working with men. Sure. Love working with guys. How, how did that, because you think of therapy and you think most people who pursue therapy or the majority of people who pursue therapy are female. So what's really interesting is, yes, that has historically been the case. And certainly with my practice before I was licensed, I could not attract men to my office, let alone keep a guy in therapy. And somewhere around a year after I was licensed, my door started getting knocked on figuratively by by men and generally very highly successful, well-educated men who needed a place to talk about relationships, about work stress, about what am I doing with my life? I'm kind of hit that Rubicon halfway through life and I've lived for everyone else, but maybe not myself. I may have not really listened to who I am and what I'm about. I've done all the right things, all the things I should do, but I actually have no idea who I am what I'm doing, and I don't want to get to the other half of life with regret. That takes a lot of (laughs) self-reflection. And oftentimes it's interesting. It's funny you should say self-reflection. You're you're spot on. And oftentimes when I'll ask a guy when we're talking for the very first time, hey, what would it look like if we were really successful in our work? They often say, I have no idea. I just know I need to talk. And they haven't even gotten to the self-reflection yet. They just know there's a rock in their shoe metaphorically as they walk through life and they need to figure out how to get it out. Right. So I also wonder if some men come to you because they're forced to (laughs) due to a relationship that's not going well and a partner maybe suggests that therapy is something that could be helpful for them. One of the funniest things that can happen is they can look at me and say, listen, I'm doing this for my wife. I do not want to be here. I don't believe in therapy. And this is what they say on the phone when I'm first meeting with them. I said, well, let's see how it goes. And after our first 50 minutes, you know, somewhere on minute 45, I check in, hey, how's this going? Like, Without exception, I can't really think of a single time where somebody's 
at least not in recent memory, where they said, yeah, this isn't for me. They've all doubled down. They've all been like, yeah, this is great. This is not nearly as hard or as painful as I'd imagined. Is it supposed to be this way? And while therapy can be hard, and sometimes given that the only way out is through, sometimes we have to feel some pain in order to get out of the pain. Very often, the actual process of discovery and figuring out who they are is so so fascinating and so dopaminergic to kind of use a chemical compound in our minds like pleasurable as they begin to figure out who they are it can actually be quite a delightful process much to the surprise of the person who is going through it i think maybe what you're speaking to is this idea that there's this assumption that men don't feel or they have a hard time accessing emotion or feelings but maybe it is just this if they're given the space to be able to process, they can do it just as well as females can do it. Totally, 100%. I gave a TEDx talk on men and emotions. It's called Emotions the Data Men Miss. And one of the things that I would be frequently asked when people were asking me, you know, what's your topic? And I'd say, well, it's about men and emotions. And of course they'd say to me, well, they have those? And I'd say, yeah, yeah, yes, they do. Uh, and in fact, boys tend to be born more open to the emotional experience than girls. And that's not something that's well known. It's in the research. I had that corroborated by one of my highly esteemed colleagues, who's a professor over at Clark University in Massachusetts from his book, Invisible Men. And as it turns out, yeah, men unlearn to be emotional. They're shamed publicly for feeling things. They're told either insert misogynistic phrase like don't be a girl or insert homophobic phrase, you know, uh, don't be gay like that. And by the way, just to be very clear, I'm very, very pro-female, very pro-gay. I think that goes without saying. And the messages that these authorities who probably are actually coming from, a, so to speak, a good place, hoping to midwife or just be stewards towards manhood because that was how they were taught that was how they were socialized and it turns out it's highly flawed it yeah. leads to something called alexithymia which is a fancy way of saying being out of touch with our emotions a the absence of lexi words thymia feeling we get out of touch over time with our capacity to name our emotional process and if we can't name it we can't tame it and what is scarier than in the reason the Hitchcock movie was so scary and in Psycho was you couldn't see what was going on. And when we can't see what's going on, we can't name something, it becomes terrifying. And we'd probably rather imagine it's not there. And that's a bad relationship to have with our feelings. Hmm. And I guess I, I make sense where maybe the type of client you might see here is someone in the in middle age, right? That they've lived this life of suppressing emotions, right? And then somehow it breaks down in a way that then requires them to really take a look and decide that maybe they need to change in terms of processing and dealing with emotions. Absolutely. We're going to be in relationship with these emotions and they can either drive us or we can be in the driver's seat a little bit more with them. And I would certainly endorse the latter. Let's try to know what our emotions are. Let's try to reap perhaps the precious data of them and see what directives they have. And I came up with a kind of acronym, FIP, F 
IP, feel, identify, and process. And it's really important that we are able to feel and to name an emotion and identify them with some precision. There was a quote from Kettering, a great American scientist who said, a problem well-defined is a problem half solved. And when we're able to name something, it really helps. And knowing what our options are in terms of how to process, not all emotions need to be said externally, but they can be directives like, you know what? I'm feeling a little bit, a little bit down. I could really use a good comedy reel to just kind of get me out of this mood, or I could go for a jog or, you know, maybe I'll call my spouse and just say, Hey, having a rough day. Would love to hear your voice just to remind me that the world is a great place. Whatever it might be, these emotions serve as directives. And when babies cry, it usually means one of three things. I want to be fed. I want to go to sleep or I want to be changed. And that happens throughout our lives. And we need to listen to our emotions the same way we would listen to a baby. It would be neglectful if we just let our babies cry in one of these three experiences. And yet we do this with our adult selves all the time and expect that's what it means to be a man. Turns out, hmm, maybe let's rethink that and attend to our humanity and listen to our emotions and what they may be saying to us. Yeah. I'm going to ask a very difficult question because I think it's a long answer, but how do you start teaching someone to start noticing their emotions? Great question. So since we probably have thousands of emotional experience every day for every thought, there is going to be an emotional response to that thought and vice versa. It could be an emotion and then a thought that corresponds with that. And off, of course, there can be a behavior, an autonomic or a visual behavior. But what we want to do is start small. For the first week, let's identify three emotions as they're happening in real time. Just notice them. And we can go very simple. Just the basic food groups. Gosh, I'm feeling a little bit sad here. I'm feeling a little bit mad here. If somebody's using a cover-up emotion, like I'm feeling stressed or annoyed, let's try to go a little bit deeper. Like what might be under the annoyance? It might be, actually, it might be anger. And wow, I'm not really wanting to own that because anger is such an, you know, I was told not to be an angry person and that's what Darth Vader does. Um, and maybe it could be sadness underneath it all. And over time, they get very good at this. It doesn't take many reps to kind of catch on and to reclaim our birthright, which is having an emotional experience in this lifetime. That is, I believe, our birthright. And without emotions, if they're, I mean, what, what <laughs> this is what we're all chasing in life is an emotional experience. It's not the tangible things that we have, but it's the experiences that we have in life joy. So many of us are told not to be joyful. We can also get shamed like, dude, what's what's your problem? You're like way too enthusiastic. Uh, my nickname, by the way, is Adam was enthusiasm in high school. So I sometimes was told that and I'd say, you know, I guess I'd rather be a little too enthusiastic than, you know, suppress that. So yeah, no noise canceling headphones on my emotional experience when they're positive either. Let's enjoy this. If it can be enjoyed at a 10, why not? If it's right. not going to hurt anybody. Well, I think thinking about, so you use FIP. So feeling is actually allowing yourself to experience the emotion. Feel into it, right? 
So instead of, like you said, covering it up, say, you know, that is just noise, right? I'm feeling something. And like, then you said, identify. So you are able to name it and you give them some simple language around that in the beginning. And then the process part of it, though, I think is the thing that gets complicated for people. Absolutely, as well it should. So we want to be discerning as we are processing our emotion, what would be the best use? There are a lot of uses. I mean, people could say, oh, I'll just drink this stuff with some alcohol. I think there's a country Western song, something like beer ain't never broke my heart, something like that. And that's partially true, except for the fact that it can actually really mess up a person's life if used in a bad coping style. And what we want to do is find creative and healthful ways to cope. The idea from Nietzsche of what doesn't kill us makes us stronger is partially true. What doesn't kill us may make us stronger, but how we cope will determine that. If that thing that nearly killed me, you know, it may actually make me a lot weaker if I cope very poorly with it. If the coping I decide to use is, well, I'm going to be angry all the time at everyone I meet and everyone will find me insufferable to be in relationship with, maybe what didn't kill me made me quite lonely and made my life very bad. Or if I learn, if I can somehow leverage the data from that thing that didn't kill me and cope well and find out on a menu, like what is going to be best coping for me? What's best coping for me? It might not be the best coping for you. I mean, one person might say my best coping is painting. Personally, I cannot paint, but my coping might be joining an improv group, or it might be going into an exercise program like CrossFit or something like that. Each of us has a different form of healthy coping, and we need to figure out what that is so that the shoe really fits the foot, not trying to make the foot fit the shoe. And I also want to also, I feel like I should make this statement that we're talking about in general men working with men, but this happens with women as well, right? It's not just a men specific thing, but I also think it's something that maybe we see more often in males, right? Absolutely. Partially because of the fact that we've been trained not to be in touch with our emotions. But so many women say, you know, I kind of had that training too. So what about us (laughs) who may be chromosomally different, but had similar experiences? And it's like, well, you got a great point. Right. But I also think it's this idea that a lot of men feel like they don't have permission. And maybe the experience in therapy gives them permission to go on this journey with you in terms of exploring that. For sure. And there's so many ways that men have kind of been silenced in certain ways with regard to our emotions. We've been publicly shamed. We've been told that we can't even feel them in private to some extent. And we may even join in on talking trash to ourselves as we are trying to attend to an emotion rather than say, hey, sweetie, how are you doing? The way a loving parent would to their child or the way we would speak to a friend. One of the things that's been front and center is compassion is a big deal in the science. It's one of the best ways to reduce shame. And compassion is something we can cultivate from within ourselves as we are developing a relationship with our emotions. That would probably be one of the most important skills. And I'm so grateful to Krista Neff and Christopher Germer who have brought this research on compassion and self-compassion to the forefront. It seems to be correlated with so many great outcomes 
And one of those being developing a good relationship with our emotions. So we're talking about kind of the process of being able to recognize and process and feel these emotions, right? Then what? Then what? I would have to say it's an ongoing process. It's not like, oh, wow, now I can play the guitar. It's I can play this song or I've gotten to this level. But it's an ongoing process. And as we learn more and more coping and ways of self-soothing through therapy, ideally, we go out and do things that we haven't been willing to do. Mm-hmm. One of the things that is really true about overachievers is they often play it a little bit safe, oddly enough. They stay within their, their lane. They kind of have a fixed mindset. They think to themselves, you know, I'm really good at the sciences. I'm really good at engineering. I kind of stay here. But I would never be a public speaker. And one of the things the then what would might be is, what would you like to experience in this lifetime? What risks are you willing to take? What kinds of face plants are you willing to endure in order to have the life that you really, really want? And one of the things that can happen in the context of therapy is that I can provide a safe place for a high five, whether that person succeeds or fails at their next big life adventure. Therapy is one hour a week. The other week hours are 167 of them throughout the course of the week. Those are the hours that really, really matter. And that's where the rubber meets the road. Will they take chances in the context of relationship? Will they share with their spouses in real time? Hey, I'm having an emotional experience. And this is what it's telling me. And will they learn to own it and not point the finger and say, you did this, but rather I'm having this experience right now and I need to share it with you. And also finding the timing and learning. I mean, all these things require fine tuning. So I would say it would be finding ways to take chances so that they can have the life that they want and get out of the safety of the known into the better unknown. And it would be learning how to fine tune their instrument with regard to particularly relationships with self and relationship with others. That is the biggest contributor to the pie chart of happiness in life. It's our relationships, for sure, that dictate how long we live and how well we live. The goal of this is to be able to engage in a world that feels good and that kind of enhances quality of life in a way that you can be part of that world and and it feels right to you. You got it. And it's interesting you should say that because I'm thinking about living an authentic life, one that is congruous, so that the inside and the outside are in sync. One of the things I know is, and you can try this at home, it's really interesting, is you can put out your arm at a 90 degree angle and have somebody exert a little bit of pressure on it so that you have to keep your maximum strength. You say something that is true and you are strong. You say something that is actually patently untrue. Like let's say I was to say right now, I'm happy to be talking with you right now, Josephine. Uh-oh. It's strong. <laughs> it would be strong. I, I am happy talking with you right now. And if I was to say something that was patently untrue, like if I was to say, I am a psychiatrist, that is not true. I am a psychologist. You are a psychiatrist. But we go through life lying to ourselves and to others throughout the course of the day, and we wither. The opposite of flourish is a languishing process. And that's something none of us wants in this lifetime. And yet so many of us become used to, you know, when somebody says, you know, okay, another day, another dollar versus carpe diem. Today is the day. Today is a gift. Wow. 
you know, I'm going to be dead a lot longer than I'm going to be alive. And here's the dash between my birth date and my death date. Let's go for it. Yeah. Um, that's what we're looking for here is like recognizing the preciousness of living while we're alive. I love it. I often ask people before we end kind of last words, but I feel like those are kind of the best last words to leave somebody with, right? Well, thank you, Josephine. It's so fun getting to know you, getting to know your practice and how you are really kind of giving so much good to the planet that needs help in in the areas that you're helping. And uh, it's just great to meet you, Josephine. Kind of you to say, can you give us a little bit of a quick summary of Super Psyched Podcast? I'd love to. So as soon as COVID hit, I found myself having a little more time because I didn't have to drop my kids off at school. So I thought, well, this is not the opportunity I wanted, but it's the opportunity I have. It's COVID. Let's Let's make a podcast. And let's make sure that it's a complete, could use your word from earlier, authentic representation of what I'm about. I did my doctoral dissertation on positive psychology, which is ways to cultivate resiliency through methods that bring fulfillment and happiness into our lives. So Super Psyched was a natural outshoot for me to be a part of. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool if I interviewed people from various backgrounds from within and outside of psychology to look at their areas of specialization and expertise through the lens of psychology. So I speak to some of the people you would imagine I would speak to, some of the heavy hitters in psychology, some of like the Zimbardos of the world, the Temple Grandins, movers and shakers within the field. And then I'll engage somebody like Steve Kerr, the coach for the Golden State Warriors, or an expert on coffee, a guy who has a doctorate in coffee, who literally wrote the book on coffee, And uh, let's talk about, for example, the chemical compounds of coffee and how does that influence our psyche? I think that's a really important topic. (laughs) It's a really important topic as far as I'm concerned. I I keep it really interesting and surprising. Next week, I'll have one on a company called Yonder that has created a technology so that when we go to a concert setting, our phones are in a magnetized case and we enter the 1990s again and we can actually view a comedian or a musical artist without our cell phones and the allure that they have and stay in the experience. That is so a great topic. I can't wait really, to Yeah. <laughs> totally. So yeah, I mean, I, I've talked about it all, whether it's trauma or self-compassion with the people I mentioned. And I got to tell you, Josephine, this has been one of the most fun things I've ever done. The, yeah. the podcast is ridiculously fun. And <laughs> thankfully, the feedback I'm getting from the listeners has echoed that. Well, great. Well, so I will make sure information about you is included in the episode description, as well as information about your podcast, which is on your website. And I really appreciate you being on. Right on. I learned a lot about emotions and, and men and the therapeutic process and how you approach it. So I really appreciate you sharing your insights. Oh, it's my pleasure, Josephine. So nice to hang with you. This has been Mind Stories with me, Josephine McNary of Cal Psychiatry. With online psychiatry in California and 13 offices throughout Southern California and the Bay Area, Cal Psychiatry specializes in medication management, ADHD, anxiety disorders, alternative therapies, women's mental health, and more. Visit us at calpsychiatry.com and let us help you get back to your true self. 
thanks for listening to Mind Stories. And don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe.